Welcome to the Barebow Project, providing a positive environment for growth of barebow and traditional archery communities, sharing proven methods from successful competitive archers and coaches. All right, everybody, it's Frank from the Barebow Project. Welcome back, episode number four. This podcast is all about the Lancaster Archery Classic. And I am joined by John Demmer and Grace Hartwell, aka, no, I won't say it. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, we were <laughs> we were we were talking before this, and we're trying to come up with all kinds of you know what what do we need to do? What do we need to talk about? And I gotta give Grace and credit because we're like we need to talk about what to expect, especially for our friends that are coming to the Lancaster Archery Classic for the first time. What to expect? The the tidbits to know. The, the the secret, you know, itinerary, this is what you need to, to do to get prepared for your shooting line, all kinds of stuff. So that's what this, this podcast is generally going to be dedicated to. But first, we have to go through some announcements, and we're going to try to do some listener questions. But the first first announcement, I'm going to kind of jump right in and just, we're starting a Bearville Project coaching program. If you don't know about it, make sure you join our Facebook group. Get on the list. Um, I have a list of like, I don't even know, 40 people waiting to get on the Team Barebow Project. It's going to be pretty awesome. It's also going to be a little busy, at least for us, but it's all good. And we're excited to jump in on that. Um, we have our seminar on Thursday, 4 to 6. We've mentioned it, I think, twice now. But if you haven't seen or heard about it, then you must live in a barn. I don't even know. We do have dinner afterwards. Shout out to Kim for putting that together. It's going to be wild. And we're, you know, the three of us are going to have some discussion and talk about bow setup. John and Grayson, you guys are going to handle that and, and talk about maybe even get to outdoor setup if we have time. And I'm going to kind of handle the coaching and talk about, you know, working with kids versus adults and things to look for and, you know, touch upon some of the things that we work towards just try to get better. Um, and then we have our own, right, John? We have our own seminar coming up in April, so we got that going on. What do you what yeah. what's your what do you what are we gonna do? What's 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 our seminar in your eyes? What what does that look like for you? I'm thinking it's gonna be a lot of just obviously form work, setup work, mental management. It should be the whole plethora of bearable archery in general. Um, well, it's going to be a two day event. We have plenty of time to cover everything. Hopefully get a lot of shooting in, um, some one-on-one, uh, coaching, uh, between the three of us. Uh, it should be pretty exciting. Yeah. I think it's going to be good. Two days of barebow with us. That could be quite entertaining to say the least. Grayson, we got some stuff going on that, that has come up since the last podcast. You want to talk about our stuff? Yeah. We've got some t-shirts and shooter shirts. Uh, all that stuff in the works. Uh, we should have some t-shirts at the Classic. And I believe the pins and stickers should be there as well. Uh, maybe Wednesday or Thursday. So that'll be fun to hand out. The, the pins and stickers, I think, will be a, a, a fun thing to do. Just a way to keep you motivated and chasing a goal. And once you accomplish that goal, you know, you, you're kind of rewarded for it. and Your peers can see that you've hit this goal and then you can start working towards the next one so i think that'll be pretty fun 
the shooter shirts, we're still working on those. We hope to have them by Vegas. Don't know if they'll be ready by then, but when we get the the final mock-up of what they're going to look like, we'll post uh, pictures on Facebook so you can see what they look like, and we'll take pre-orders. That way you can get your name on the jersey if you like. So stay tuned for that. It'll be pretty exciting. Absolutely. Good stuff. So we're going to jump right in and, you know, we're going to go right through. Initially, we're going to talk about classic prep, what we're working on, the things, why we're working on them initially. So where where are you guys at, Grayson? Where are you at as far as in preparation for the classic? I know your schedule is going to get a little crazy, but are you feeling good? You feeling confident? What's going on? Well, where I'm at right now, I'm sitting on my couch. <laughs> I stay here and watch the football games instead of going out to shoot. I should have shot, but um, I'm feeling okay. You know, it's good enough. It's shots are feeling good. I put together a new bow and new arrow set up the other day. You know, yesterday, to the range and shot it for a lead score. I mean, it it tuned up really quickly. I just used like my baseline settings that I do anytime I start an indoor tune. And the only thing I had to do was raise my knot, my knot height, and it was air shaft in the gold. So it was super easy. Um, shot it, shot a bunch of tens. So feeling pretty good. I won't have a chance to shoot this bow until I get up to Lancaster again. So hopefully everything stays the same. I've only shot it for one time. But if not, I'll just use the one I've been shooting. Mm -hmm. uh, I do want to use the new one with the tanks, the better arrows, but maybe catch a couple more 11s. I don't know if I actually will or not, but hopefully I will. So that's the plan, use the new bow. And if not, uh, I always have the backup ready to go. How about you, John? Uh, well, I spent some time today testing some some tunes um got a good idea that the one tune i had wasn't going to work too well so came back i got that new riser off of you that that your friend did mm -hmm. so i set that up um set that up with tanks i'm going to run that again monday by the time i got done at the end of the practice today i was starting to feel a little bit better about that tune so we'll see if that holds up on i should say tuesday so that should be interesting. Nothing like obviously last minute tuning work, but, uh, mental side, uh, I've been working on that the last couple of weeks pretty hard, trying to get a little bit more confident in my shot. Shot a lot of good confidence shots the second line today at the shoot. So I was really happy. I think that was probably my best confidence form shooting in a while. Scores didn't reflect it, but I think I had 57 really solid shots. One WTF moment and two that were not bad, but not great. Yeah. <laughs> that, the, that Wait, was that the, while we were shooting together or, or the second? No, oh. the second one. Cause, yeah. Okay. My, my, <laughs> my WTF moment came after two shots didn't hit where I thought they should have. And just got super mad mm. <laughs> and just like, just didn't want to be there for the third arrow. <laughs> and they just, just, just winged it. <laughs> oh. And I, obviously just a, a small brief 
uh, lack of con- concentration and uh, got penalized for that one pretty good. But uh, form game was working pretty good. Mental game, it's it's good. Um, I'm happy where I'm at and just got to get that last bit of uh, equipment tuned and should be good to go. Awesome. I can I, I can say that I I think the last time we recorded I was feeling really really good and then it within a week's time was like blah and just all kinds of all kinds of things happened and I I got sick but I don't I think that might have been part of it but I wasn't all of it I think I had some tune issues that I didn't really realize what was going on and then in conversation with you two and Grayson, I was talking about what was going on with these random high arrows. And I felt like I didn't have control because I had control or I felt like I had control because the arrows were just hitting. I knew where that arrow was going, regardless of whether it went in the middle or not on every arrow. And then all of a sudden that disappeared on me. And so today you and I shot together at Palmyra Sportsman and that was a real nice shoot awesome facility and the first half i spent the entire half um playing with my tiller ended up adding one and a half turns positive tiller to the top limb and watched my crawl um go down and my arrows come back down into the middle and all of a sudden that pressure grayson like you talked about it just disappeared and all of a sudden it was that that pressure being grip pressure. Grip pressure, yes, I'm sorry. Yep. Grip pressure. And I was trying to compensate for it before by by my grip. I was trying to put more pressure up into the throat of the bow. And I'm not a tuning guru by any means, so I'm learning this stuff a lot from you guys. And, you know, I, the second half definitely, and if you can look at the pictures, and that's why I posted them. I mean, I'm not, I'm not trying to play up anything. First half was not great second half was a, was one arrow out of being pretty stinking good for me and and that was my one wtf moment in this in that second half so i mean it's it was amazing to watch as i was i only did half turns at a time to watch that change i came back to gha and shot a little bit here i did like a five by five of five second draw holds and just continued um, I shot a couple more and then I shot the bear shaft that you gave me, John, from mm-hmm. that set of uh, RZs. And uh, you saw the pictures. I don't know if you guys saw the pictures or not. They hit within like one or two inches of each other. So it's good. I feel like confidence form is never really t- totally goes away, but my form disappears when my confidence and my tune and my target panic are, um, are on the, are on the fritz. And right now, everything seems to be going in the right direction, thankfully, because after a few weeks of college struggles, um, it's good to have that feeling again, a few days out from the classic. So see how it goes. Pretty happy about it. So we are going to hash out what people should expect coming to Lancaster Archery Classic, what competitors should look for. And we're going to try to cover literally the smallest details, things that, will that are going to catch you off guard we want you to know everything and you want we want you to hear it here because we have so many people coming and and if 
you know, if that reduces your stress a little bit about the weekend, then so be it. So with the classic being held, it's it's only about what, fifteen, twenty minutes, I guess, guys, from Lancaster Archery Supply. Right? Yeah, fifteen yeah, twenty. Yeah. <clears throat> so, you know, with that being said, you are Lancaster has their trailer there and the shop is not that far away. So let's just put that out there. So you will have all the archery needs that you need will be readily available. And if, if they, they run a shuttle service mm-hmm. to Lancaster Archery Supply all day. Yeah, constantly. Yep. And I believe so, those, the, they have, you can shoot at Lancaster Archery Supply for free. I think Correct. so. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty confident on that, and I'm not sure how late. I, I don't know even know if there's a cap on it, um, the timing that you can shoot. But you're allowed to shoot there throughout the entire weekend as necessary, which is good on good on Rob and and crew at Lancaster. Um, well, one of the things that some people don't realize is that if you wanted to go and test equipment, uh, you call ahead, and they'll they'll get in touch with the warehouse. And they'll bring everything over that you want to try out, and you can go to the showroom and try it out. So that's something else. Yeah, that's something else you guys can do um, if you have a little bit of time and wanted to check something out that's that might not be at the showroom that they can dig out out of the warehouse and bring it over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the showroom has a lot of stuff there, but if you want limbs in a specific weight or length or riser in a certain color, it's best to call ahead and make sure they have it at the showroom and if not they can get it there for you yeah this weekend i'm sure that they're going to be have access to just about anything and everything you want to get your hands on so i highly recommend if you are visiting for the first time if you don't get there as often as we do um would just make sure that you get over there and see the crew see their staff it's um you know, it's really second to none. It's one of them, it's one of my favorite places to go. It's one of my favorite places to shoot. Um, so just so we got that out of the way. We we and something else may come up with that, but so we get where we can go and and all that extra stuff. Coming to Spooky Nook, we Grace and I were talking about this, John, before you got on the phone. Spooky Nook's kind of awkward. The GPS will take you to the front of the building where only the paid membership people can go. So when you come, you have to go around the back side of the building to go into the parking lot. Like we're going to literally give you every tidbit to know. When you come in, your GPS will tell you to make a left to go to, I think it's called like Nook Road or something. I don't even know. But you want to continue straight and come in the back entrance. And that takes you all the way around the building to where we all have to park for the competition and then you walk in the main doors. Um, and then when you walk in the main doors, you go through check-in and they might scan you. You have to walk through like a little um, turnbuckle like deal. Is that what they're called? When you walk into the nook and then you can go two ways if you make you, but you need to make a left coming into the nook and then that takes you right to registration. And then at registration, you'll see the staff, from all of Lancaster Archie Supply and from the events sitting there, registration, you go in by last name and they hook you up with your shooting pass, your t-shirt, your goodie bag and all that stuff. So this is for yeah, me. You know. Go ahead. Go ahead. They'll have the, uh, the cam trailer there too. So you can oh, check that out. Yes. See all their hardware and stuff. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's the, pretty neat. Yeah, what do they call that now? Archer One, I think, is the is the coin and the name for it. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah, Archer <laughs> One. So yeah, when you walk in, that'll be on your right hand side. So yeah, what what do you guys think? The well, first time you came to the Classic, well, John, you've been going for years, right? Yeah, since they first started uh, offering the barebell class, I think the first year I went was at the host hotel. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. I did. Yeah, that was different. Way different. Yeah. Did you shoot yeah. that also, Grace? I, I got lost in there. Yeah, yeah, I shot the first year. Yeah, that was the, we talked about this. That was the first big uh, indoor tournament I ever went to. Oh, that's right. That's right. We did. Yeah. I forgot that that was the one. That's where it was at. I was the year I got back into competitive archery was that year at the host uh, that year at the host hotel. Yeah, that was in the hotel and registration was one place in the hotel and then the practice range was another place and then you actually shot in a different building, you had to walk outside to get to it. Yes. It was it was a lot different. It was cramped in that building we were shooting in, so I'm glad they changed venue. Yeah, this is probably the best venue I've ever shot any archery event at spooky nook yeah yeah spooky nook's phenomenal well, speaking it's of ton of stuff to do there if you bring kids yeah oh uh, right there on site if you need it we'll, we'll 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 maybe we'll even touch upon that a little bit at the end but speaking of the venue how about we um john do you want to explain the practice ranges and how they're set up yeah so last year i'm assuming it's going to be the same this year but last year they had where you walk into the main room where they have the big uh, area on your left and the area on your right for the competitive side, you walk around on the right-hand side of it, and they had a practice room downstairs, and they also had one upstairs. I'm assuming that's going to be the same this year. They had quite a bit of practice room. Um, it's very important that you get there early, like a half hour before every shooting time. It is absolutely packed yeah so if you're gonna do any practice definitely get there an hour early yeah easy well get on the practice range an hour early don't wait a half an hour before you want to be done practicing in a half an hour before your shooting time because the practice ranges are packed and if you can even shoot before that do it you know a few hours ahead of time and try to get some shots in um but you'll you'll also get a you'll be able to get a sneak preview of what the final venue is going to be. Um, Cause they're going to be, I'm assuming they're going to be setting it up during uh, our shooting Friday, which is what they normally do. Mm-hmm. But you, you get a good idea of what they're trying to, uh, to accomplish with it. It's pretty neat. The final venue is going to be in the same spot as it was last year. It's going to be on the backside of the one practice range. So, you know, peek your head behind the curtains and check it out. It's it's going to be a pretty neat final, final venue. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And just so everybody knows, they, they actually call the ranges. You'll hear them say this over the loudspeaker. The, there's the blue range and there's the green range. That's what they referred to them as, if I remember correctly. The blue range is the, it's got like a blue plastic athletic flooring on it. And then the green range is turf. So, you know, for purposes of when you hear it over the loudspeakers when you walk in to access the upstairs practice range you have to go um behind almost you make a left walking in and go down the hallway by like like a food court there 
or food yep. stand or whatever, and you circle around the wall and come up the steps to the upstairs. It's the only way to get to the upstairs range. And you can see there's, well, no, I shouldn't say that. I think there's steps somewhere else that get you up onto that catwalk that walk goes between the two ranges. That's somewhere on the backside of where all the uh, vendors and stuff are. But so, and then the upstairs well, range is there. Well, if, if you walk, if, if, if you take that right to head towards the shooting area and you have that, the little, uh, food stand on your left mm-hmm. and you go past that and turn left to go up those stairs. Mm-hmm. You guys are going to be walking right by the mezzanine where we're going to have the uh, Barebo seminar. So the mezzanine is pretty much right above that little food area on the left-hand side. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's a good reminder. So with the practice and location of the ranges, you'll have the Lancaster Archery Supply Truck right smack dab in the middle of the Blue Range readily accessible it's right it's centrally located so you can get to it from anywhere um grayson or any other things that you would like to call to mind things you think people need to know about as far as the shooting's concerned or the ranges or just the weekend in general um we covered a good bit there Uh, just make sure you show up early enough especially for shooting noon or four o'clock uh, because it's going to be busy in there. There are going to be hundreds and hundreds of people. You have people coming off the line, going onto the line, and everybody that's with them. So it is, it's going to be pretty packed. If you shoot the morning line, you don't need to get there quite as early because there aren't nearly as many people. Uh, but just make sure you get there early enough. Um, stop your practice probably 15 to 20 minutes before your shooting line is supposed to start. Go set your gear down, grab a drink, use the bathroom if you have to. Um, yeah, go down to your, go down your target, hang a target up, chill out. Yeah. yeah. If you need anything, any kind of last second supply, the, the trailer's there, like you said. Um, that's pretty much it there as far as the venue and your qualification. Uh, they, they do have the, big TV screens lined up all throughout the kind of in between the shooting ranges with the scores constantly scrolling so you can see where you stand. You can also just check archers on your phone uh, if you made the cut. And the next morning for eliminations, if you have to make it, 64 for the men this year. So it's going to be quite a a few that, that do make it out of the total field. Uh, but we normally shoot on the blue range down at the far end. Uh, that's the way it's been every year since they've had it there, as far as I'm aware. Um, make sure you show up early because there will be a lot of people that morning trying to practice. Uh, so make sure you get there early enough to get some reps in and uh, stop practice early so you can go hang your target and you know kind of hang out with some people, calm your nerves down a little bit. Um, anything else? Yeah, so at the very end, like you said, that we're going to be shooting uh, the head-to-heads, and they can't, you have like the Lancaster trailer halfway down. If you keep going past the Lancaster trailer, they're going to have a trailer of bathrooms. Yeah. So there's going to be some bathrooms on that far end, and there's going to be bathrooms right near that food area right before you walk into the main room. So those are going to be your two main bathroom options 
they also have one kind of on the backside of the one practice range downstairs in the final venue area. They got like a, a yeah. walk walkway to other rooms. There's bathrooms there too. So there's those are your three main close bathrooms. Yeah, that's important stuff to know because you don't want to be shooting at that far end, not realize like if you're at the far end on the green range down past where the trailer is, and I think those are targets those are like the early number targets, like the low I think they're the low number targets and it goes highest to lowest that way. You right on the other side behind you are those bathrooms. You don't want to run all the way out past the food court to the bathroom and try to come back if God forbid you have to go in the middle of the tournament or something like that. So, or the middle of qualification. So yeah, that's, that's, that's very important to know that they're accessible. They're really close by and that wherever you're at, you have, they're about equal distance, maybe a little bit further going out back toward the registration and past the food stand. But so there's a vendor area that's located on the green side. The vendor area isn't huge, but it's all of your, like platinum sponsors and a few other organizations and stuff like that. And you'll see your Gilo has been there in the past. I don't know if he'll be there this year. I assume so. As far as Bearbow goes, I don't, who else is usually there from Bear, from the Bearbow world? I think Gilo has a booth there typically. And I think they're going to have one this year. So they will be there. I don't think Spigarelli does this tournament. Um, Hoyt normally has something. I think they have a booth, right, John? Yeah, they should have a booth there. Yeah, all um, pretty much all the main manufacturers of uh, bows are going to be there. Yeah, but yeah, Hoyt Hoyt definitely does. Um, as for the recurve side, that might be the it. Only two. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Right. Yeah, I know they have a lot of compound stuff, but I think for recurve side, they're, they're the only two. So, Another thing, show up before and hang out after you shoot. You're going to be able to see so many other barebow archers and talk to them. I mean, it's the Friday, the qualification day is just one long hangout, really. Yeah. Uh, you'll see so many people you wouldn't normally see. So hang out, talk to as many people as you can. I mean, it, it can be kind of overwhelming with the amount of people that are there to talk to. You feel like you don't get to really spend enough time with everybody that you would like, but... Uh, yeah, hang out and talk to as many people as you can. Yeah, they're but all going to be walking around. Do it all year. Friday, I'm looking forward to Friday a lot, especially after um, like we get done shooting. We're all shooting the 12 o'clock line, I think, right? Yeah. 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 I got mine changed, thankfully. Nice. Yep. Good deal there. So look forward to seeing everybody. I'm sure we won't get to talk to everyone, but it's going to be, you know, we have, we have our line item things that we want to do and whatnot. So, and then obviously we want to, we want to pay attention for Saturday morning. So we highly encourage, regardless of where you finish, obviously if you're, you know, in the top 62, you're going to want to be, you know, 64, 64, I'm sorry, 64, You, you're going to want to be on Saturday morning. I think it starts at 9 a.m. if I remember correctly. Is that correct? It's a 9 or 8. I don't, 
we'll have to check the agenda at the classic itself for the uh, eliminations. Can't the January, but it's pretty early. It's pretty early, and it's that's that far end. If you don't make the eliminations, come support the people who are shooting. Come watch it. It is super super entertaining. Bring a set of binoculars and play and pay close attention to what's going on because there's a lot of hustle and bustle with it and it's it's fun to watch i mean it's definitely fun to watch they do a good job they have little individual scorecards or score uh flip boards for every match mm-hmm. so you can easily pay attention to how everything's shaken out so that's one of my favorite things is watch the matches see which ones are really close and then uh if i'm not shooting i'll watch them um it's pretty it can be pretty entertaining. See what see what happens. See um, who's rising to the occasion, and you might even get some pointers from just watching that and see what they're doing. Yeah, and don't forget the live there. feeds that are out there too. Competition Archery Media, Lancaster Archery Supply. I'm not. I'm sure that either one or both will have live feeds running. Probably uh, Cam, I would assume, from their YouTube page and maybe even on Facebook. We'll be sharing the links for sure, but you'll you'll definitely pay attention online. If you're not able to make the classic, watch it online and make sure that you're paying attention at those times because it will be viewable. What were we gonna say, Grayson? I forgot now, but they, yeah, they do normally have the live feed running the whole tournament from qualification all the way through the elimination. So yeah, if you can't make it, stay tuned to that. If you don't make the cut, like Frank said. Show up and watch the elimination. If I, for some reason, don't make the cut, I will be there watching. It's it's an awesome thing to witness. So much tension. Uh, it's it's a feel that you don't get anywhere else, really. So if you can show up and watch it, it's a lot of fun. Definitely good stuff. I think that's about it. I don't I don't know. Oh, we can. Do you want to talk about the? Once the eliminations are over and we have our, it dwindles down to our top eight. That's, they shoot off on Saturday. The time is usually sometime afternoon, if I remember correctly. Is that right? Yeah. Four or five. Yeah, we're going to be, we're going to be the last one. Well, I should say the women's, it's going to be women's bare bows second to last. Men's bare bow is going to be the last match of Saturday afternoon. Yeah. Um, it's going to be somewhere right between four and five o'clock, uh, for the barebow side. So yeah, check that out. Um, it's probably going to get pretty packed. So, um, if you guys, anybody out there wants to watch it and wants to get a good seat for the finals, definitely get there early because it, the barebow side packs it pretty tight. Yeah. It's a popular, everybody's there watching. You access that through the lower practice range to get to the shoot-off area. And it's rather dark in there, so be prepared. Try to get there early to find your spot. It's real Well, the access, we we never really said where the access is. The access to that is behind the vendor netting. So if you see people walking behind the the vendor netting, that's how you get back in there. Yeah. Yeah, there's two. Well, I guess there's two access. You're right. There is that one back there. I forgot about that doorway that yeah. goes into that range, or that was used to be part of a, a, the lower practice range, and no longer is. 
I forgot yeah. about that. But yeah, and you can also ask it th- access it through that lower um, that lower practice range as well. There's two two ways to get into there. But so I will be probably during the women's shoot up. I might be coaching. It depends on if the kids are done. I have like ten kids competing at the classic this year. Um, so in the trophy shoot, the Easton trophy shoot that starts at noon on Saturday. So fingers crossed that they're all done and my stress level is down at that point. Actually, fingers crossed that maybe I'll be practicing and getting ready for (laughs) if (laughs) never know. (laughs) Stranger things could happen. You never know. know. You never know. Anything can happen. Huh? get on a roll you never know yeah you never the know eliminations are a, a, a fickle thing mm-hmm. you never know how they're going to play out so uh, one more thing in the parking lot when you're leaving sometimes you have to pay for parking they have somebody out there taking money sometimes they don't it's hit or miss 50 percent of the time i've had to pay the other half the time i haven't so just make sure you have some cash on you what's that five bucks in the parking lot i think it is you know what I'm talking about, though, right? It's sometimes they're yep. out there, sometimes they're not. Yeah, I yep. think they only collect like certain hours or something because there's been plenty of times at night where, even I, honestly, there's been times where there's people standing there just waving you to go. We're like, go, go out, see ya. Thanks for leaving. I want to go home. They just send you out. They don't even stop you. So, yeah, but, yeah, that's a good point. I forgot. So make sure you have some cash, especially for our international friends that are coming in. Make sure you got some American. Um, money on you and, and get ready to pay for parking in case you have to. And, and definitely expect it to be slow getting out at the end of the, at the end of the night. Yeah. Cause there's going to be hundreds yeah, and hundreds sure. of people trying to leave at the same time. And there's only one exit. So that might be something to think about when you pick in a parking spot, <laughs> pick one close to the yeah. exit. Well, hopefully <laughs> you get there early enough that you can get one close. That's yeah. the thing. If you're coming, if you don't come first thing in the morning, that parking lot fills up and it's just recycled spaces all day long. It's packed from the morning line all the way through. So be prepared to walk pretty far if, unless you get lucky and find one up front. Um, when you go, yeah, it's going to gonna be, it's going to be what probably low 40s to mid 30s at night when you're walking back to the parking lot. So you might want to, pack a light jacket or something when you walk because it could be a good little walk especially Mm -hmm. if it's cold and windy i know last i think it was last year the year before i had shorts on and a t-shirt and it wasn't very wasn't a very smart move (laughs) but it does get warm in there though that's that's actually it does it It gets gets warm warm in the the building yeah i may i I probably will shoot in shorts this year because it got warm last year yeah for sure. You're going to pack your jorts? My, <laughs> I'm going to wear my <laughs> romper. That's what I'm going to wear. I'm going to wear my, my Barabelle Project romper. <laughs> Frank, do you still wear jorts? Do I still wear jorts? <laughs> do you still wear jorts? That, that's, that's a negative, Grayson. I've never worn that. All right. We're going to take a brief moment and pause from the podcast just to hear from our sponsors of the Barebill Project. This podcast is brought to you by Excess Wings. They provide quality veins that I've personally shot for five years now. With the different shapes and lengths, I've been able to find the perfect combo to match my shooting style. I was using the 70 millimeter veins in my epic showdown 
gusty side wind, the 70 millimeter with its little profile covered right through the wind and I barely had to aim off. If you're interested, check them out. Go to excesswings.com, fill up the shopping cart and enter promo code Bearboat Project 20. That's one word. Bearboat Project 20 percent off give them a try excess wings you shoot the stories we just help hashtag excess wings for life i thought you were i thought you said i honestly i thought <laughs> I, I heard jordans at first i was like no i don't wear jordans anymore but he is nah, the you, you definitely he is look, the goat so it, it might be worth <laughs> it lebron who I never heard of her. <laughs> yeah. The greatest of all time. Oh my! <laughs> but we we talked about the dinner on Thursday after the seminar. I casually mentioned it. Yeah. So I think we posted it on our Facebook page. If you want to reserve a spot, it's a dinner that Kim Hartman put together. Uh, I think it's going to be at Stoner's Grill. Is that the name of it? Yes. Yes. So it's. I believe it's fifteen dollars, and you get your own. Um, you get to build your own burger, kind of thing. Um, it, I think as of now, we have almost a hundred people that are going. So, if you want to go, reserve your spot quick. I think she has to turn in her, her final numbers pretty soon. So, get on that if you want to go. Friday, I don't know what we're doing. We don't have a specific plan, but I'm sure there will be different groups of people getting together for dinners. So, just kind of ask around and see what's going on. Um, Saturday after the eliminations, so John and I, we always typically go out with a, a fairly good-sized group of people and get a drink and some food and, you know, just talk about what happened. Um, so, yeah, just keep your ears open for that, see what's going on. It's nice to hang out and have a good time. Yeah, make the most of your time. Yeah. Have a couple beers, hang out. Yeah, see as many people. Well, if you make the top eight, have your beers on Friday night. Except for us. Have all the beers you want. Yeah. Drink it up. (laughs) Bottoms up. You do what you got. Give Michael Fisher to drink as many beers as you can. (laughs) (laughs) We want to go. Come on, Mike. We're going out. Grayson, yep. Grayson's, Grayson's on like, me. Just, yeah, on me. <laughs> oh, and if we, you want Michael, all love, all with love. <clears throat> Too funny. Uh, well, I think that covers just about everything. I mean, it was a little bit of a we're a little bit all over the map, but I don't think you could possibly explain other. I we could tell you this. There's a ton of stuff to do at Spooky Nook. It's like a huge playground for kids and adults. There's basketball courts, rock climbing walls, a little obstacle wall climbing thing. When you walk in on the right-hand side, there's an arcade, there's food courts, there's basketball. Uh, I think I might have said that. Basketball courts, soccer uh, fields, there's baseball practice going on, there's volleyball going on, there's... It's just this huge complex with all kinds of athletic endeavors going on, and it's really awesome. So, do they have basketball courts there? Yeah, they have basketball courts there. Yeah, mm. they Thanks have sure. basketball courts there. Mm. Why no, do you want to play? Fat for it anymore? <laughs> do you want to play? Do you want to lose? I should say. 
I guess Grayson doesn't play basketball. <laughs> I didn't hear Gr- Gr- uh, Grayson's thinking like, yeah, Frank's like the size of Charles Barkley. I don't know if I'm going to be able to move him. He <laughs> basically is, yeah. You could, well, me, imagine if you had to play against like Frederick. He's he's a giant. Yeah, yeah he's a tall dude. Uh, anyway. I haven't played basketball in a long time. I played basketball all I think I'll the time. stick to archery. Maybe give up archery after your form post. Take up, take up darts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the form post. The form post. <laughs> yeah, I sent those videos to Frank, and yeah, I always have known my releases. It's kind of weird looking, and I, you know, it, no matter what level you're at, you always want to try to improve, try to be better, and that's what we're all after. So, yeah, just because. You may be at a high level doesn't mean you're still not looking to improve. Yeah, there's yeah, no, there's I, no, I excuse, no excuse for complacency. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I know I've some pretty decent results with my current form, but if I can make it more efficient, more clean, uh, more repeatable, maybe if you be a little more forgiving and you know come away with some slightly higher scores or maybe less variation in scores. The lower end might sneak up a little bit. Um, you know, always work on improving. I think that's that was the message there. Yeah, yeah. We and the conversation happened because you were looking at your release and you're like, you know, you, you sent the video and then I think you sent a slow motion and you're like, why? I can't. You know, my release for you to do that straight back. Um, linear-ish looking release like similar to similar to what I do have most of the time you know or like how come how come I can't do that and just because of the position of your elbow and I know someone shared the video and and I watched the video and I George Riles is definitely a coach that I I enjoy listening to and I love a lot of what he says but it's also a matter of your joints and your the your the way your body is put together that also affects that stuff but it's it can it can also be your form or the one thing that people don't expect affects how your release works is your stance and your stance and your ability to open your shoulders to get into that proper alignment that's what that affects has a huge effect on your release and your body position so and mobility could be an issue too. If you have like super tight shoulders, if you have um, a lack of mobility in your core or in your upper back to be able to turn and, and get into that position, like that stuff affects everyone, everyone differently, I should say. You know, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm lucky to have some decent mobility. Not everybody does. And it, and, and that, it does affect everyone. It's not, everybody's different. And, I mean, obviously, our goal is to be as efficient as possible. But you know, like you said, you're you want to continue to strive to be better in some ways. So, sure, maybe the things that you can pick from are a lot are, are limited compared to maybe the rest of us. But it's important to continue pursuing that the pursuit of perfection and and chasing that. Um, that good feeling that we get when we shoot as good as we possibly can. Probably that feeling like you had when you broke the national record. What, geez, I don't even know how long ago that was at this point. Was that October, November? I don't even know. Some time ago. Yeah, it was November sometime. Yeah, I mean, and you were on, you know, you were on fire that day, and and 
why can't you why can't you shoot those scores all the time? Well, maybe you know that day you were really repeatable and you were really good. Maybe you were hydrated really good and you had good sleep for like two days in a row because you work a wonky schedule and you know all all the stars aligned and you got to do everything you can to fix it. I mean, John, you're. Are, what are the things you have to have? I'm sure that you have things that you work toward as well. And, uh, what in, you know, what specifically? Well, I'm saying, like, is there something that you always, is there, is there, is there something that you always try to pick apart and improve on? Like your alignment just a few weeks ago, you know, that was a thing that came up and like, well, I got to work on this, you know? Well, you well, usually going into any tournament or leading up to it, I usually get lazy on something on my shot. So, you know, one time it might be I'm too focused on bow arm, I'm too focused on aim, and I get lazy on my release. Yeah. You know, I won't feel my face every shot. And a couple of the shots, they might drift left and right. And I'm like, what's the deal? Shoot another one. And it's like, oh, dude, I'm not, I'm not following through right. So then I'll focus on that or, it might be the next time it might be my bore is getting a little lazy, but everything else is working great. So then, you know, then I'll focus on my bore. So it's usually never one thing in particular. I usually get lazy on something and I'll try to find what I'm lazy on and, and work on that just a little bit more. So it's uh, something you just got to be aware of. I think it, it changes from time to time. And I think that's what we all go through as archers is like, just like a revolving door. One thing gets a little lazy and then we got to work on that and try to pay attention to everything. And then eventually we're going to get lazy on another aspect of our shot. And we got to, you know, change that door and, and focus on that. Yeah. We actually kind of like constant maintenance, yeah. constant maintenance on your shot. You're always having to pick something. You move on down the list. And by the time you finish that first thing is going wrong again. So, the never-ending cycle. Absolutely, and that can happen at any point in the tournament too. You can you can be in the middle of a round and things are going great, and then all of a sudden one bad end sends you into a tizzy, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, I got to get it back! I got to get it back!" And I we had that conversation a little bit today, John. When we were walking back in one of the ends, and I was like, "It's driving me insane that I know exactly what this shot is supposed to feel like. <laughs> I know exactly what I'm supposed to do. I know exactly, and it's just not going there." Or I just, you know, my biggest thing right now is, is just my, I have a great bow arm, but I don't, I don't have a good aiming bow arm. I try to, I try to control it and I'll do that last minute drive by and you'll see my bow arm flying all over the place. If that arrow goes in the middle and you're watching me, it's completely luck because, (laughs) but if I hold it still, like, like Grayson's bow arm, if I hold it there, I just let it settle. It goes in the middle nine times out of 10. Somewhere in the middle, close, yeah. you know, and the second half, you could see, like, I really concentrated on that today in the second half, and boom, like that, score shot up, target looked good, you know, and it just, but it's having the mental discipline to do all of those components in succession to make it a good shot is where what separates, you know, the Graysons and the Johns from the Franks right now. Like that's, and then, and then so on and so forth. So you gotta, you gotta build the knowledge and the education and the, and, and then the experience. 
and then the discipline, and then it all adds up into you finally, you know, the package comes together somewhere with experience and all the other stuff in the end. But it's it's incredible how you just it's like you said, Grayson, constant maintenance. She's never you can't just forget about it and think that it's going to be there, even though you probably practice practice less than most. But that's, yeah. Um... I don't know, my shot, I'm just very repeatable, I think. And I can always kind of fall back into what I've always done very easily. Mm-hmm. So, I, I I mean, I do have to do some maintenance, and I'll notice something's going wrong, and I'll quickly fix it. But I, like I said, I can always kind of fall back into what I've, I've always done. Even when I take a bunch of time off, like, see, normally I don't shoot the whole summer. So I take, you know, four or five months off or whatever. I can normally come back after the first session. I mean, I could, I could shoot probably a 550 or 560 after one practice session, not shooting five or six months. I mean, I'll still be a little shaky and fatigued, but I could, yeah, I could probably put together a pretty good score just because I fall right back into it. Right. Well, the other thing with you two is that you, one of the highlighted um, comments from our very first episode, you guys have been shooting long enough and have made enough mistakes to be able to catch it quickly. You know, like, like the thing that I just went through for the last couple of weeks, that's something that you guys might've picked up on in six arrows. Like something's not right. And but the he- healing the grip that you were doing. Well, that while well, I was healing it, or I thought I was healing and it ended up being the tiller issue is what I'm saying. Like, that's something you may have picked up on like right away, you know, where well, the tiller issue was probably creating the healing effect that you were feeling. Right. Exactly. So, yeah, I mean, I would have noticed that when I was doing my initial tune. Right. See, yeah. And I don't know. I adjusted didn't. the tiller. Yeah. I liked it. Yeah. That's, that's the, and that's where you, you see, People, we've had this conversation where people aren't, shooters aren't quite accurate enough to really feel those things. You know what I mean? They're so worried about their tuning and they're so worried about, you know, where their tiller should be and their arrows and this and that. And their form still, they're still not even able to keep three arrows in the gold at, at 18 meters. And they're they're worried about all these other things, and their their form just isn't there. And how can you worry about all that other stuff? Legitimately, how can you worry about all that other stuff when you're really not consistent enough to see the ramifications of it? You know, hey, you're not doing yourself any favors by focusing on equipment before form. I mean, you, you really need to make sure your form's consistent and make that your priority before you start worrying about anything else. Yeah. I get a lot of questions all the time about tuning and stuff. Like just this, the tiller post you made. I got a couple questions on that. Like, you know, what's your tiller? But the tiller's going to be different for everybody. Everybody's going to like a different feel. So your tiller is now positive. I always run mine way negative, indoors at least. Mm-hmm. Like a, a quarter negative, quarter inch negative. Yeah. So it, it's it's different for everybody. Yeah. You need to work on your form and then the equipment. And your equipment, you, you can't just search for, oh, John Demmer does this, 
he shoots this pillar, so that's what I'm going to shoot. That's going to work for me. Right. There's no magic pillar number or under tension that's going to work for everybody. You need to figure that out on your own. Well, that's because we, <clears throat> we all grip the bow a little bit different, and that's where, like you said earlier, that's where tiller comes into play, how you like to grip the bow and how how you can do it repeatable, and that's going to be different for everybody, and that's going to require a different tiller. Exactly. Everybody's just a little different, so you need to find out what's going to work for you instead of just taking a number somebody else uses it and thinking it's going to meld right in with your style and form. Yeah, we see that a lot where people ask about it. They ask, you know, well, what's your poundage? What are your limbs? What's your brace height? What's this? What's that? How far do you crawl? And we just, and you just, it's, it's almost irrelevant information in some ways. And most people aren't even yeah. there to understand where, where for the three of us, it's going to be different because we're all different draw lengths. We're all different body shapes. We all hook different. We all hold the, the grip different. And sure, there's some things that might like, and I'll give you a, here's a little stroke of irony today. Like John, you shoot those. I was shooting your tanks for a little bit and your tune on your Hoyt and my tune on my Gilo are not even remotely close to what you shoot and what I shoot, but I could take those tanks and they went right down the middle. It didn't matter. And then I shot your bear shaft and it was right there. You know, my bow, that was proof to me. And then I went and shot those RZs today with the bear shaft and they were within a couple inches of each other. That's pretty, that's a decent tune for, for an indoor rig as far as I'm concerned. I don't know if you agree or not. I would assume so. I don't know. But to be able to take, just take any arrow, throw it through your bow you know, then you know that your tune is good. A lot of people don't have the ac- they don't have the accuracy to be able to say, "Oh yeah, that works." Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm very hesitant when I try to help people bear shaft tune because bear shaft tune is not going to work for a lot of people, mm-hmm. especially if they have plucking issues or, or issues with their grips or issues with torquing the bow. If you can have actually a really good arrow spine makeup but if you torque the bow a little bit when you bear shaft tune it could show something really really bad but it's actually good um so bear shaft i'm always very very hesitant helping people bear shaft tune especially if i can't see how good their form is because you can get a lot of bad negative or false positive uh feedback from it Mm false positive or false negative, you know, e- either end of the spectrum. Um, bear shaft tuning can, can be very tricky. Well, bottom line is, is fix your form first. Yes. So, I agree. Yeah. Bottom line. Fix your form. Fix your form. Bear shaft tuning is tough. Even with good form, it's, you really have to be on top of your game. Because any little mistake, the arrow has nothing to steer it. So it's, it's pretty tough. Well, we went on quite a bit of a tangent on that one, but that's okay. Let's get into some questions. You guys good with that? So question number one, how much do you practice at a big event before shooting? John, go. Oh, it's Lancaster. If I'm feeling very confident in my setup, 
very confident in my form, I'll probably just go to the practice range, shoot 30 arrows, warm up a little bit, shoot the breeze with some friends, grab, you know, a couple more ends of practice. Uh, it'll be pretty sporadic, uh, because I'm pretty confident in my setup. I'm pretty confident in the way I'm shooting. So it might not actually be a lot, but who knows? I mean, I've shot anywhere between 20 arrows in, in practice to a hundred arrows, but I'm in really good shape when it, when events like Lancaster rolls around. Mm. So if I'm in the practice range and another good friend comes and Hey, let's play a game and, you know, and we'll, we'll play a game against each other. We'll shoot some head to heads. Mm-hmm. As long as I'm not mentally drained or feel like I'm getting mentally drained, you know, I, I might shoot 60 or 90 arrows, but on average, I'm probably around a 30 to 45 arrow average just to warm up getting ready for my shooting line. When my shooting line's done, I might go to the practice range. If I was having issues on uh, the round itself, I might go to the practice range, work on those issues, try to get them fixed for tomorrow uh, for the head-to-heads. So that's about where I'm at. Grayson? Um, I mean, normally, like a USA archery event, you only get the two practice ends, and that's typically good enough for me. I've shot my best scores like that. Um, but for something like Lancaster, um, I will probably shoot more arrows this week than I do any week of the year. Probably a safe bet. Uh, Wednesday, I'll get up there, I'll probably shoot 150 arrows that afternoon or evening. Uh, Thursday, I'll probably shoot most of the day. I'll shoot that many arrows at least again. Um, and then Friday, before the, the tournament, I'll probably try to shoot 20 to 30 arrows by a time. I'm not too pressed about it. We still get the two warm-up ends, so just enough to kind of get warmed up and get loose. I think last year before the eliminations, I only got two ends in the on the practice range before I had to go over because I just didn't have enough time. It was so packed. So it doesn't really bother me. I, I just like to shoot more if I can. It's just fun. Um, but I don't need to shoot a specific amount of arrows. So, I mean, don't get yourself tired. Don't overshoot. Uh, I shoot a pretty light poundage, and I'm you know, fairly strong for the poundage I shoot, so I can shoot all day if I need to multiple days in a row so that doesn't affect me but if you're pulling 40 pounds and or even you know 36 and that's a lot for you just don't overshoot and make yourself too tired just enough to get warm and loose and work out any issues you may be having yeah what about you frank if if i had my way i would just shoot blind bail and that's all i would do if if uh if i had my option i'll be honest with you this year I will probably shoot between 30 and 45 arrows. I will definitely be doing some draw holds right before I go on to the range. That's what I'll finish with. If I could shoot blind bail, which I know I can't, I would. Um, and that's, that's what the, my entire week is focused on that the week before a tournament. Uh, you know, I come off a high volume. I'm not shooting a lot and I, it's more of like a recovery stage of my programming that I, that I write for myself and for the kids that shoot here. And, you know, the volume actually goes down as long as everything's going good. If I'm having issues, then I need to work out those issues like both of you 
basically said, you know, if you're having issues, you figure them out. But if things are going good and my tune is right and my crawl is right and I'm hitting and I'm grouping and my form feels good, there's no reason to stand in there and just arbitrarily shoot 120 arrows before you're going to go shoot 60. Because mentally, you may end up being draining yourself. Physically, you may end up draining yourself. And there's just no need for it. If you don't have it at that point, if you can't figure it out, you might as well just, you gotta, you just gotta drop back on and that you're going to figure it out. in in I guess in the tournament itself, because you know, I don't know, 30 to 45 max for me and definitely going to finish with some draw holds before I head out into the floor right before our two official practice ends. So that's where I'm at. Um, and the next question, let's let's move forward. Do you guys have anything more on that? Do you want to? You ready for the next one? I think we're doing pretty well. Yeah, I think so too. Mental game to keep aiming. Mental game to keep aiming. I this is my struggle right now, and as you guys both know, I occasionally get stuck at like the eight o'clock or twelve six o'clock in the eight. And, you know, it's, that is my nemesis is to stay with it and keep my bow arm still. So like, I, this is even one that I want to hear from, from you guys. What do you do? Who wants to go first? John? Ooh, I don't know if I'm a good person to go. Cause I don't have, well, I don't get, I never get stuck. Uh, I, I don't know if it's just the, my mindset and approach. I just, I, I never get stuck because I'm used to seeing that arrow sit on the gold, uh, a good percentage of the time. I'd say while I'm aiming, I'll have my arrow within the 10 ring size, probably 80% of the time. Um, so I'm a little bit more relaxed when it comes to aiming. So maybe that's probably why I don't get stuck. Um, just because I can, I can move, I can manipulate that arrow however I want. It's, it's already in the back of my mind that I'm capable of doing it. Mm-hmm. That's never had any kind of control over me. Um, I've been blessed with that. My issue with aiming is sometimes I get a little anxious to shoot before I'm ready or the reverse side where I don't want to shoot even though I am ready. Um, those are the struggles I usually have. Interesting. Um, and usually if I have that struggle where I'm anxious to shoot it, yeah. you know, I'll reel, I'll reel it back. And then we, I talked about this before is I'll, I'll reel it back. I'll let down and then I'll go into an extra long hold where I could set it back in my mind that I have control and I'm going to shoot it whenever I want after a certain period of time and then after that period of time that's a little bit longer i already have in my mind i already got control back into that shot so i'm no longer anxious um the interesting one is where i'm not ready to shoot even like i I can't shoot when i'm ready to shoot that one doesn't happen very often um and that's where i'm on the gold and it sat there for a little while and I'm more than comfortable to shoot whenever I want. It's just not happening. Um, then I'll have to let down and restart. That's the hardest one. I don't, I don't, I don't run into it very often. 
So I've never really had to have a good hard fix for it because it usually doesn't last more than one letdown. But that's an interesting issue when it when it does come up. <laughs> yeah, those are the ones that I usually try to force it, and you'll see like a more of a a pluck on the release side. Yeah, um, but that's usually those are usually my issues. But but I think part of that aiming part has become from shooting 3D a lot because I came up from a 3D background. So as, as you know, when we're shooting 3D targets, we don't have a hard spot to aim at all the time. Right. So we have to use reference points and I'm used to putting my arrow where I think it is and then quick glance at all these reference points and try to triangulate it. Yeah. So I think that's where, um, I, I never had an issue moving my point around to where it needs to be. Um, so it's kind of like almost like a blind, it's almost like it's almost like doing holding drills. The way I grew up on 3D right. is you put that, you know, you draw back, you put the arrow on. Say if you're shooting a five spot, you know, I'm going to put it on the upper left hand corner and put it there for a second. And you're like, all right, I'm going to move it down to the lower right corner in the four ring, and then you move it, and it's just like kind of doing like spot holds. Um, I don't know if that's where it came from 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 the 3D side, but I've never had a problem moving my point around it's interesting grayson how about you your your mental game to keep aiming uh i mean I, like john i don't really have any issues moving my point around wherever i want to put it um i don't focus on it so much it just you see if you watch me shoot you notice i kind of come into like this pre-draw and right. from that point on my arrow tip is on the goal just kind of stays there. Uh, I, I I don't know why people have issues keeping it there. I I, I can't relate to that specifically. Um, it, it's aiming. I said this many times. It's just one part of the process. It's just one thing we do. If you you know you hook your fingers on the string, you don't get panicked about that. It's just one part of the step or one step in the process. So you, you put the point on the gold and then you move on. The issues I have. Um, sometimes I, I try to be too perfect or too fine or get the feel exactly right. So I'll sit there and hold and, you know, a million things are going through my mind, like grip and finger tension on the string, make sure it's all right. String blurs lined up right. And, you know, I'll, I'll fix one and then I'll go back to check another and it's not quite right. So I'll fix that and then another thing's off. So that's kind of what gets me on the line is just working on too many things at one time sometimes. Yeah. Um, but the aim, it, it pretty much stays there. Uh, like I said, just one part of the process. Don't try to get too cute with it, too fine. Just put it in the general area and let it float around and execute your shot. It's funny. Easier said than done. I know. I know people have issues with it. Yeah. I see it a lot. I, have to say on it. I see the I see the issues because of the kids and the the adults I work with. You know, and I've experienced them myself. When I, so as you know, a few weeks ago, I messed around with aiming point covering the goal like you shoot, Grayson. And it went well initially. It was really easy to do. It was almost too easy to do, to be completely honest with you. It reminded me of putting the pin of a compound on there, and it was just, it was right there. I 
I eventually figured out though that I did not like not seeing the arrow um, come out of the bow and and go where I wanted it to. Number one, number two, it changed my release, and I had a hard time duplicating my release. And I don't. I, I think it's because I went more stat. Like I was, and I could probably work on it, but I was going more static. I was going more. You know what my release looks like. You know what my style is. Yeah. It was hard for me to duplicate that release. Being able to hold the tip in the middle so easily, it was so strange. And it was, I don't even know how to explain it. And I, and with it being so close to the classic and dare I say, you know, toward the, toward the, the, the meat of the indoor season, that's when I vacated it. And I was like, all right, I'm not doing that anymore this is the wrong time to, to make these changes. And I just went back to, to what I was doing and what I was shooting the good scores with. But, you know, it's for me, I don't have that. Like you guys have this unbelievable control to just be able to put the tip of the arrow as I've done more and more of the drills. And as I'm getting better, I notice that it's getting easier. So, but I do get stuck. And, and the thing that, and you guys have both said, Frank, you don't have to shoot that shot. You don't have to shoot it when it's stuck, let down, refocus, do it again. And that's, you know, my stubbornness comes out and I'm like, I want to make it work. I want to make it work. I want to make it work. And for some reason, that's just the way my brain, you know, is wired right now with it. Hopefully that, you know, I, I get that in, in check when the time matters the most, but it's weird to get stuck. You get stuck there and, you know, it's just, it's so strange. Like, and I know what that shot feels like. I know what a nice steady bow arm feels like, but it's that little tiny movement from the eight up into the bottom of the gold where I want to let that thing settle. Some days it's just super, super subtle and super smooth. And I'm like, Oh yeah, I got this. And then, you know, there's another day where who knows what I didn't have enough coffee that day. I don't know. <laughs> and things just go haywire, but yeah, it's, it's wild. The, the last question of the podcast, Stephen Morley during practice, when would you stop the session when things aren't going very well or do you push through or leave it and come back fresh for the next day? Uh, me personally, a lot of absolutely horrible practice days. Uh, if, if I do, I will just pack up and leave. If I'm not having fun anymore, if it's frustrating, um, I'm out of there. There's no point in trying to push through it. I can just come back another day. Uh, but if it's just a, a few struggles here and there, I try to figure out what it is and correct it right then and there. Uh, so like I said, if it's just a terrible, terrible day, I'm out right then and there. Um, but if it's just one or two little things that I think I can fix, I try to fix them. John? Uh, pretty much the same. Um, if there's some, if there's small issues, I'll work on it. Um, I could be pretty stubborn and I'll work on it for a while. If it's a really bad day of shooting, then I'll just, I'll stick around a little bit longer, but I'll do holding drills. Um, I do like both, uh, for working out and for aiming purposes. 
And what I mean by that is I'll do like 10 sets of draw holds as long as I can between 30 and 60 seconds. Mm. So I'll get some use out of that session. Even if my shooting is bad, um, I usually don't have a lot of really bad shooting days. Um, there's usually just a couple small things to work on and, uh, and I'll push through that. But if, but if it's really bad, I don't want to ingrain that in my memory. So I'll get something positive out of it and I'll do draw holds. Yeah. Same, same for me. I will not just vacate the session altogether. <laughs> it's rare that I will, uh, that I will do that unless I'm short on time, but typically if it's not going well and if I can't fix it or if I just don't have it, I'll fall back on drills, whether it's blind bail or draw holds, it'll be one or the other. And I'll just, you know, it's almost like we'll, punishment. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll definitely vacate scoring. Yes. And any forms of scoring. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> vacate yeah, that, scoring for sure. But, but yeah, like do like you said, do some blind bail, um, do some, do some draw holds, do some blind bail with your eyes closed and just feel your form. Because a lot of times when we do that, like when we take away the target, if that, if, if our problem is associated to the target that day, mm-hmm. and, and that's a root of a lot of the problems, mm-hmm. it's probably because we're, we're lack of confidence in something in our shot and then do something positive. Um, so you can walk away from that session thinking positive thoughts and have something to work. You're, you're already building yourself up for the next session. Um, try not yeah. to leave the session totally negative. To the point. Finishing on a good well, note. I think that, that wraps it up. We're looking forward to seeing everybody at the classic. So we will see you there. Sounds good. Thanks for listening, everyone. Head over to Yoast, Y-O-S-T, archeryproducts.com. Click on shop, go to their pro tabs, their brass pro tabs, follow their social media, and make sure that you check out their specials that come up. Constantly throwing out new colors and options for the bare bow shooter. Yoast Archery Products, small company owned by two bare bow shooters that absolutely love the sport. You could also contact them at yoastarcheryproducts.com. Yoast at yoastarcheryproducts.com and 717-659-9863.